0: And welcome to Pop Goes to Culture, the podcast where we look at pop culture and wonder what makes it pop. I'm Marie, and today we are talking Nicktoons again, and this time we are talking about the Nicktoon Doug. Doug was the very first Nicktoon, and it was a very unique one in the sense that it ran on two different networks. From 1991 to 1994, it ran on Nickelodeon as the very first Nicktoon. But from 1994 to 1999, it ran on ABC as a part of their One Saturday Morning Block. So, this is an interesting one. Doug, for those of you that don't know the premise, it chronicled the life of a kid named Doug Funny who moved to a town called Bluffington after his dad got a new job. And the state that Bluffington is in was never specified. Think of Springfield with the Simpsons. We never knew what state it was in, but we always had an idea. And yes, with Doug, there was an idea. As most of you know, with the Simpsons, A lot of people thought Springfield, Oregon because Matt Groening was originally from Oregon. In the case of Doug, a lot of people have thought maybe it's in Virginia because it is loosely based on the town of Richmond, Virginia, where the show's creator, Jim Jenkins, was raised. So the episodes were like a diary form because you would always hear Doug say, Dear Journal... And you would always see him writing in his journal. And it ranged from like things like getting a bad haircut, learning how to dance. You know, a lot of the stuff that kids went through. And he had an older sister named Judy. Then there was his parents, Theta and Phil. And a dog named Porkchop. He had a best friend named Skeeter. Had a crush on this girl named Patty Mammies. And also he had the foes like Roger Bluff and here it also was kind of unique because it had an intro outro soundtrack which had a lot of scat singing mouth noise type stuff and if you want a good example of that look at the Seinfeld theme. So it was the first original Nicktoon I talked about Rugrats, and then, of course, there was Ren and Stimpy. The original run was 52 episodes, and then, in 1996, Disney greenlit a fifth season, acquiring it from Jumbo Pictures, and moved it to ABC, and that's how we ended up with the One Saturday Morning Block with Doug. And... It became a top rated show, it inspired books, merchandise, a live musical stage thing, and a film that was released at the conclusion of the series in 1999, which is very interesting to point out because when the first Rugrats movie came out, and I did talk about Rugrats in one of my previous podcasts, it was still running. So that's a very interesting thing to chomp on. So, so why did this happen? There were all sorts of different different changing of hands and everything that caused the caused Doug to go from Nickelodeon to ABC. And um, the original deal was was Jumbo Pictures was going to produce 65 episodes and then Nickelodeon would air those in blocks of 13 13 per season after 4 episodes of 52 4 seasons of 52 episodes Nickelodeon passed on the additional 13 and they cited an expensive budget during a budget freeze at Nickelodeon so, so there was a 2 year window option and obviously that that didn't really happen, but they ended up where the production company behind doug was was having several networks come to them, and one of them was ABC ABC of course is owned by the Walt Disney Company, and they closed product purchase on on ABC in 1996 and they purchased Doug in a multimillion dollar deal with the creators, which involved Disney buying jumbo pictures and signing the producers of Doug to five-year contracts with stock options. I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. It's crazy. I know. So, There were a lot of different changes. Production of the series moved from New York to L.A. And this really, this really meant more of the voice actors would record their lines remotely as opposed to being in a voiceover studio together. And, you know, Billy West, who did the voice, did a couple of the voices. He did a lot of voices on Nicktoons, by the way. He was replaced... He did the voice of Doug on this. He also did, um... Ren and Stimpy. He did both Ren and Stimpy, by the way. He, He was replaced by a voice actor named Tom McHugh. Roger Klotz. I said Roger Bluff, but it was Roger Klotz. Now I remember. He... He was replaced with Chris Phillips. And the reason why was... Disney couldn't afford Billy West. Because... He was really becoming famous for Ren and Stimpy. And it's true, even to this day, Billy West is very much in demand. So chew on that, people. So, yeah. And they, so they, they did all that. Another factor was, of course, Nickelodeon had high expectations for this series, which was not being met met, I mean, I could see that because Rugrats was becoming a cult favorite, Ren and Stimpy was a wicked cult favorite, so I could definitely see why, and Ren and Stimpy was, they say it, it was like, kind of a revival of a imagination which is very true because I'm going to actually talk about Ren and Stimpy later on down the road but if you look at Ren and Stimpy there were a lot of jokes that went over kids heads and you know so Disney has owned the rights to Doug and there is no interest from Disney to revamp Doug And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it wasn't even popular on ABC. I mean, I know people that watched Doug and they they just watched it to be watching it. It wasn't like one of those big things where you watched it because you really liked it. It was more of one of those things where, oh, watch it. Just be... Just because, or like, if you were watching cartoons with your kids, like let's say when it was on Nickelodeon, you would be like, I'll watch it just because the kids want to watch Rugrats and there's nothing else on. So, yeah. There's one interesting thing. Now. Here is another interesting thing about Doug. So, like I said, it it covered a lot of coming of age themes and it was like desiring to be different while coming of age, which, you know, a lot of young people struggle with and, you know, you know, Jim Jenkins was very open on this. He actually said in, in an article, he said, We put ourselves through enormous pain and I had this notion of what if we didn't overdo that? What if we were just told the truth? But that's complicated in the adult but that's complicated in the adult world. The notion of truth and non-truth is not complicated. But I didn't want to debate it. I didn't want to show all of the ambiguity of the adult world to kids i wanted to show kids a world where everyone took honestly honesty seriously now this was from a huffington post article dated from 2014 by the way so you know one of the examples was a was an episode it was called doug's in the money and it finds Doug coming across an envelope of cash and returning it to, to its owner, who was an elderly person. And they say created like a whole debate regarding honesty. And, you know, in the episode, Doug ends up getting a stick of gum as a reward, but... But, you know, Jenkins later said, it comes down to how we think about who is involved in the story. In that case, I wanted Doug to do something that hurt where there was no tangible reward, which, you know, does happen a lot. And so, so another thing that became about is Skeeter Valentine, who is the best friend of Doug. There was a huge debate many years later about him because a lot of people thought that he exhibited traits that were very stereotypical of the African-American community. And a lot of people thought Skeeter was supposed to be African-American. But yet, he was shown as blue. So... Jim Jenkins said he did not envision like the colors of these people. And he he basically <laughs> this is from Wikipedia. It says Jenkins did not envision this discourse on the series colors, which may explain a lot with some of these characters. I mean, why was Roger Clotz green? When creating the show, he came across his 200 design markers and employed a, a an array of bright, wild colors for the characters. Jenkins later told the Huffington Post in 2004 that the series' colors came to symbolize the irrelevance of race. Which, I can understand, because like I said, Roger Klotz was green! So, yeah. Um, you know, currently you, you can get this, I mean, there was a whole thing on home with home media back in the day where, where Sony wonder between 93 and 96 released a series of Doug videos, Walt Disney home video released four videos in 97 Nickelodeon, Amazon teamed up, teamed up with other Nick shows to manufacture on demand D- DVD discs. Which, if you ask me, that's a little crazy. But hey, it was the early two thousands. What do you expect? And um, you could probably find them everywhere. Um, as for streaming content, currently all of the episodes including two that are missing from the season 4 DVDs are available from video on demand services um iTunes, PlayStation Network, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus and you know they have all the Nickelodeon ones and meanwhile you can get the Disney Era Doug and Doug's first movie which was produced by Disney on Disney Plus um now the reception on it is this series like I said it premiered alongside Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy if I remember the the way that the Nicktoons block worked on Sunday mornings it was Rugrats it was Doug Rugrats Ren and Stimpy I may have goofed that up and got Rugrats and Doug mixed up, but I remember Ren and Stimpy was always at the end. And and here, Doug was the very first one, but it was not as immediately popular as the rest. Now, a lot of people are like, what? But yeah, uh, what I think happened is it's a phenomenon called tent polling. tent polling is a phenomenon in television where you take like the least popular show and you put it where it's on one end you put like another show which is like could be least popular could be rather mediocre popular put it on the other end and right in the middle you have the bread and butter one which is the most popular one the most popular one out of all three of these everybody knows, is Rugrats. So you had Doug, you had Rugrats, you had Ren and Stimpy. And the way it would look, it would look almost... The reason why they call it tent polling is because it would look almost like the way you would put up a tent. I'm telling you, my media and society professor is probably proud that I remember that. (laughs) Um, But here also... There was There's the tent-pulling theory, but also Ren and Stimpy was getting a lot of attention. And it, it was big time, because I remember people going nuts over Ren and Stimpy. And, you know, Nickelodeon was largely pushing the limits of children's programming. And Doug was kind of more of a gentler, quieter show. Rugrats was, you know, kind of rambunctious. Adventurous Ren and Stimpy was just off the wall. So yeah, I really could not see that working. And then here they moved to ABC. And ABC had it where it was actually one of their more popular cartoons on Saturday mornings. And, you know, so it was number one in the Saturday morning ratings and everything else. But over time, as we saw with other major networks, which in the United States at the time in, like, the 90s, early 2000s was was the big three, as they called them. ABC, CBS, NBC. As we saw, these networks were pulling themselves out of airing Saturday morning cartoons. I still don't understand why. And you know, so so that kind of made made it to where eventually Doug came to an end. And, you know, It received some massive awards. It won two Parents' Choice Awards, two Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, three Cable Aces, and, you know, for the record, I don't even... Yeah, they got rid of the Cable Ace Award in 1997. (laughs) And four Daytime Emmys, because at the time, these kind of animated shows were a part of the Daytime Emmys. And... This actually shocked me that there was a stage show. It was um in March of 99. Disney premiered this. This was at Disney Hollywood Studios, which at the time was known as Disney MGM Studios, which is in Orlando, Florida. And it ran until 2001. Doug's first movie was released on March 26, 1999. And here... It was, you know, this was right before production on the show ended. And I'm actually trying to look this up. Um, Basically, it was released by Disney with a short before it. And the critical reception, it scored a 26% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And let's see, what else? Roger Ebert gave it two and a half out of four stars. And Screen It gave it a four out of ten. Box Office on it was, you know, opening week was number five with about 4.4 million, give or take. And by the end of its run, it only it basically just grossed that. It managed, well, actually it managed to, it grossed that, but it managed to gross in the end close to 20 million. It was about 19.4, a little over that. And it created a large profit for Disney, but it made it its worst at box office present success. And of course, a lot of that too is because you think Disney animated films, you're thinking, like, Toy Story and Encardo, a lot of the Pixar stuff, a lot of, like, Little Mermaid and things like that. You're not thinking Doug. It was released on DVD and VHS in the 90s. Actually, DVD was 2012 VHS was 1999 and you know DVD was actually used as it used as the as a TV edit when it was aired on Australian television and like I said today you can find it and it is on Disney Plus if you have Disney Plus it was it was released on Disney Plus in 2019 and it was It was a new transfer of the film source from the master print allowing the end credits to be seen at their intended speed. Because unfortunately, a lot of times when they would produce stuff, whether it be on television, either air it on television or air it or do like a DVD or a VHS, a lot of times they would actually speed up the credits. So that's what that means. Was I a fan of Doug? Not Really? I mean, I thought it was cute, but I was not really a big fan of Doug. I was more of a Ren and Stimpy fan myself <laughs> back in the day. I hate to admit that, but I liked Rugrats, but I really liked Ren and Stimpy. And I still watch Ren and Stimpy because it's on Paramount+. Plus. So, so yeah, let me. Let me break down like a pop factor because, you know, I introduced the pop factor with my Batman one early on in the podcast. So I'm going to break it down. Nickelodeon run of Doug, I'm going to say has a pop factor of about, oh, I'm going to say about five because it was like some of it was cute. A lot of it was, please, just stop this show and air rugrats. <laughs> um, the Disney run. Oh, God. The Disney run sucked. And you're talking to somebody who hates Disney, by the way, but this, like, big time sucked, even for Disney. Pop Factor of Two. As for the movie, I'm going lower than Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert gave Doug two and a half stars. I'm giving it a pop factor of negative 20,000. God, it sucked. I mean... Th- if you ask me, Doug, it's interesting because of the fact there's a first Nick tune but nobody remembers it, but it was an abortion. It was a total and utter abortion. Okay, so that concludes today's installment of Pop Goes the Culture. I actually have a special one I did this week about the infamous slap at the Oscars this year between Will Smith and Chris Rock um I will be picking this up again with another Nicktoon and I'm excited about this Ren and Stimpy and I am excited about this because I am a Ren and Stimpy fan as I said um so yeah check that out next week on Pop Goes the Culture As always, this podcast is written, produced, and researched by me. And I am hosted on Anchor. Log on to anchor.fm and you can get your podcast hosted. And they give you the ability to be listed on several different platforms. They put you on default on Spotify, but they (coughs) they also give you the ability to be listed on Google and Apple. I'm pretty tech-savvy, so I have got listed on Podbeam and a few others. Follow me at PopCulture267 on Twitter. I actually have a link tree with all the different places I am listed at. So until then, don't forget to be awesome. Bye!